Greetings, saints and fellow bond slaves of Jesus Christ. I trust that your time with the Lord has been profitable, and I pray that this episode will also be profitable for you as you consider what it takes to become godly wife material. You recall two weeks ago, I did an episode on what types of characteristics that young men should seek to develop in order to become more godly husband material. And today, it's the ladies' turn to listen to some things. And this is not an exhaustive list, but this is a list of some things that I think from the scriptures young ladies should seek to develop in order to become godly wife material. Now, why is it important to to do this? Why is it important to kind of set out a list for men and set out a list for women that would help us to maybe understand what we should be shooting for? Well, there's a lot of advantages to setting out the list this way. The first and primary advantage is that, number one, our culture is so obsessed with getting rid of gender, it's very confusing. Young people are confused about what men are supposed to be and what women are supposed to be. Young men think that men and women are just interchangeable. I shouldn't say just young men. Young people think that men and women are interchangeable, that you just take these parts and these pieces and you move them around one to the next and no big deal. But you know what? That's not how God designed men and women. God designed men and women to be different. He designed them to have unique attributes and character traits. Now, obviously, it's not exclusive. Some men are maybe a little bit more gentle, a little bit more nurturing. Those are qualities that we typically think of of women. Um, Some women tend to be a little bit more bold and maybe stronger in terms of their personality or their ability and willingness to lead. Those are characteristics that we typically think of as men or as male, masculine. All that to say, in our culture, we are trying to do away with any distinction whatsoever. And that's really unfortunate because as God made the genders to be different, he wants them to be together in marriage and to raise a family together so that children can be the recipients of the positive aspects of masculinity and the positive aspects of femininity. So if you have two people, let's say you have a man and a woman, they get together, they get married, and the woman tries to be as manly as possible, and the man is as manly as possible, where does the the femininity come in? How do the children receive that good example of godly femininity? They may not. It may be lacking. It may be hard to develop that in the home. And obviously we know that sin has perverted um, our natures, right? We are totally depraved. That means because of the effect of sin, we are incapable of doing righteousness on our own. This, of course, is why we needed a Savior, why Jesus came to save us. And if you are a Christian— you have been redeemed from your depravity, you have been saved from your sins, and you now have been given the power uh, to live righteously through the Holy Spirit who dwells inside of you. Therefore, as a Christian, if you are a Christian, you should be seeking to cultivate godly characteristics that would represent the gender that God made you. Right? And of course, God only made two genders. There's male and there's female. 
So me, as a man, I need to work on cultivating the things that God says I need to do well as a man. And my wife, she needs to work on cultivating and growing in the things that God says she should do as a wife. There are a lot of commonalities, but there are differences. And that's what this episode is going to help us understand. What are the specific things that ladies should try to grow in that are unique to how God made them? Ladies, don't look at this list as if you're like a second-class citizen because these are the things that you should work on. You should rather rejoice. God has given you his word. God has given you instruction. God wants you to grow in these particular characteristics, and it's for your good. It's for the good of your future husband. It's for the good of your children, okay? Your future children, all right? Maybe you already have children, but in the context of this episode, it's your future children. And what's the advantage of men listening to this? Well, I think for men, you should be looking at the the qualities that we're going to discuss, and you should be saying, I need to find a woman who has or shares these particular qualities. I need to find a woman who manifests these characteristics in her life because these are the things that are honoring to God and will make for a good household, a successful marriage. All right, without further ado and without any more introduction, I think you can see that there are benefits to both men and women listening to this episode. But we are going to look here now at four things, four ways that women can grow into godly wife material, okay? Four ways that women can grow and develop into godly wife material. Now, the first one doesn't actually come from the Bible. So you're like, wait a second, this is supposed to be Jed Breaks Bread, the Bible podcast. I know, I know. But the first one um, I think is an effect of the culture upon women, and women need to recognize it. And so the first one doesn't come from the scriptures per se, but the other ones do. So let's go ahead and give you the first one. Ladies, the first thing that you need to do if you're trying to become godly wife material is you need to stop trying to be his buddy, okay? Don't try to be his buddy. A man already has buddies that he can goof around with. A man has buddies where he can go do stupid men stuff with. Uh, A man and his buddies are going to go try to just um, basically act immature, uh, blow off steam. They're going to do dumb stuff. They possibly could get injured, whatever, okay? Guys just do stuff with guys, and that's how men are. That's part of their nature. I have two sons. They act completely different than my daughters. They are... um, constantly touching each other, wrestling each other, um, having competitions with each other. They're doing boy things. And I know my girls, they look at them and they're like, boys are weird. And I'm like, yeah, we are weird. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry, I'm your dad and I'm weird. Okay. The whole point of this is that a man already has buddies who he can goof around with. You don't need to be his buddy. You need to be something different than his buddy. Now, this doesn't mean that you can't have fun with him. It doesn't mean that you can't share hobbies. It doesn't mean that you can't um, just enjoy hanging out together. But what it does mean is that you should embrace the fact that you're never going to be one of the guys. You're never going to be one of the guys. 
So don't so stop it. Stop trying to be one of the guys. It's just not going to happen. It's not realistic. And to be honest with you, he doesn't need another quote unquote one of the guys to marry. He needs somebody who will develop into a godly mother, a godly wife, somebody who will help nurture and care for and provide an alternate perspective to the um, stupid ideas that boys often come up with, okay? And I'm, I'm saying that as a boy. I come up with stupid ideas. I do things that are harsh. I do things that are not gentle. And thankfully, my wife has developed different characteristics than me, and she points those out to me, and it's a real blessing to me. So, ladies, don't try to be his buddy. You're never going to be one of the guys. So focus instead on these other characteristics, okay? And here's number two. The second thing that you need to do to grow and develop into godly wife material is to put to death the sins that many women struggle with. And again, I'm going to give this list of sins, and it's not as if men don't struggle with these sins. Okay, don't don't take this as some, like, women only struggle with these sins and men never struggle with them. They, they do. Men struggle with them as well. But these sins that I'm about to list tend to be more common in women. They tend to be the things that women struggle with, and they tend to be things that really can... Um, have a negative effect on relationships, all right? So what are these things? The sin of judgmentalism, okay? Which is unfairly and uh, superficially judging other people, their motives, their actions. Um, It doesn't give them the benefit of the doubt. It sets up a standard of perfection or some other standard that is unachievable. And so the person who you are judging can never actually gain your approval or your satisfaction because your standard is just so high. So women, you need to put away the sin of judgmentalism. Along with that, you need to put away the sin of having a critical tongue or a critical spirit. Those two things kind of go hand in hand. Some women um, are so critical that their husbands and children can just never do anything right. There is never a there is never a point where things are, are good enough. There's always, well, you did okay, but you could have done this. This critical tongue and critical spirit is the, the quickest way to emasculate a man. It's the quickest way to discourage and dishearten your children. It's a very quick way to become isolated in the family because everybody is afraid that they can't live up to mom's standards or the wife's standards. Okay. The next sin that you need to put to death is the sin of gossip and the sin of slander. Obviously, gossip and slander uh, kind of go hand in hand. They're similar. They're cousins. All right. But gossip and slander both involve telling things that are untrue about other people. Gossip actually, well, okay, let let me rephrase this. Gossip is sharing information that you don't have the right to share. Um, slander is telling information that is untrue about other people and which is designed to hurt that person's reputation, okay? So gossip and slander are, are cousins in that they both involve the telling of information that should not be shared. Slander is specifically false information, and gossip is information that is true, but you don't have the right to share. Finally, all right, the final thing that women need to put away all right, is the holding of grudges and bitterness, the resulting bitterness from it. 
Now, I, I don't know what it is about the female disposition that often causes them to hold grudges more than men hold grudges. And again, I, I know men who hold grudges, but holding of grudges and the resulting bitterness seems to be something that maybe affects women more than men, okay? And maybe this is because women have a hard time actually practicing the transaction of forgiveness where you say, I, I forgive you, and then you, you put the sin away, and then you actually move on from it. I don't know if women have a harder time with that than men do. Um, sometimes that's the case. Sometimes it's not. But there is something about women who, when they get into an argument or a dispute or something with another woman, that oftentimes it, it results in holding of grudges against that person, even after you supposedly um, enacted the transaction of forgiveness. You see, this transaction of forgiveness is so important because it means that you are promising to pardon the person from their sin and not to bring the issue up again. That's really important. And that's very, very important in marriage. Why? Because you are going to be living with a sinner 24-7, 365 days a year. You're going to sin against each other. You need to learn how to pardon the other person without holding a grudge. In my experience as um, a pastor, in my experience just as a man who's lived for nearly 38 years on this earth, I can say this, these particular sins tend to torpedo friendships. A lot of friendships have been ruined because of these sins right here. But, ladies, if you bring these kinds of sins into a marriage, you can drop a nuclear bomb on that marriage. That's the effect of these things in a marriage. It's really, really difficult. And again, I'm not holding women accountable and saying that they're the only ones who are responsible for problems in a marriage. Men have their own issues. Men have their own sin struggles that they bring to marriage and that they need to overcome. But ladies, I'm saying right now, while you are single, you should be thinking about these particular sins and asking yourself, do I do these things? How can I grow to overcome these particular sin issues? Because if you don't work to put to death these particular sins and put off these sinful habits and replace them with new godly habits, it's really going to make your marriage difficult. In fact, it might make it even difficult to become married as a man gets close to you and realizes that you have some of these characteristics, he might put the brakes on. He might say, you know what? She is a super beautiful woman. I'm very attracted to her physically. But man, I just can't get over the critical tongue that she has. I can't ever do anything right. And, and that may be a turnoff for him so that even if you're a very beautiful person, um, which is attractive to men, he may decide not to, not to stay with you because of your critical tongue or your critical spirit. This is just a for example, okay? I'm not saying that should happen. I'm saying it could happen. So, ladies, put to death these sins that many women tend to struggle with. All right, next on the list, okay? You want to desire to love the things that God says you should love. 
desire to be the kind of woman that God says you should be. And you're like, well, that's obvious. What does God say I should be? Of course I want to be what God says I should be. Well, the things that God says you should be are absolutely contrary to things that culture says you should be. Culture says you should put yourself first. Culture says you should seek autonomy, which means being able to do what you want when you want. Culture says you need to define yourself by your career. God, on the other hand, God says something very different to women. Here's what God says you should focus on. First, you are a helpmate. Genesis 2.18, God said that to Adam that he would make a helper suitable to him. And so you are not the number one in the relationship. You are, you are the number two. This doesn't mean that you're somehow unequal to men. It doesn't mean that you're worthless than men, but it means that your role is different than the man's role. His role is to lead, to make decisions, to exercise the authority and the headship that God has given to him. That is a responsibility that he has been given. It's not a right. And he needs to do that in accordance with God's truth. You, however, you are to be a helpmate to him. That means you come alongside, you assist, you do what you can to fill in the gaps. Again, it doesn't mean you're unimportant, but it means that you're not number one. You're somehow, in some way, number two, okay? In the same way that God the Father, all right, is the head of the Trinity, and the Son submits to the Father, and the Holy Spirit submits to God, so too you must be submissive to your husband. You must be submissive to your husband. That's very different than what the culture says. The culture says, you be autonomous. You don't need a man. In fact, if if you want to have a man in your life, that man should count it a privilege to be in your life. That's the opposite of what God says. God says, you're a helpmate. You complete the man. And you should, you should take joy in the fact that God has designed you to complete the man. Next, God says that you should be a worker at home. In Titus chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, Paul, or yeah, Paul gives instructions to Titus, to the church, and he says to the young women that they should seek to be workers at home, that they should love their husbands and love their children, they should be pure, and they should be subject to their husbands, okay? This is, again, the opposite of what the culture says. The culture says, you're a woman. Define yourself by your career. You're a woman. Go out and make a name for yourself. Make your career number one. God doesn't say that. God says your career should be number two or number three or even number five on the list of things that you should be as a woman. Now, you might be thinking, well, the Proverbs 31 woman certainly had some type of um, career in that she was making fabric or selling fabric and she was earning money for the household. And that's true. She did. However, she was doing that in the, in the general context and in subservience to all the other tasks that put her husband and children first. See, she served her husband and she served her children, and with what time she had left and what industriousness she had left, then she used her resources and her talents to earn money and contribute to family life. 
So again, it's not wrong to work. I'm not saying it's sinful in any way, shape, or form. But young ladies, you should desire to be a worker at home. There is no greater joy than being a stay-at-home mom. It takes sacrifice. It takes discipline. It takes dedication. But that is pleasing in the eyes of God because that's what God has designed you to do. And that takes me right to the third thing that God says you should love, which is child-rearing and nurturing of children and teaching of children. You know, in Genesis 1, uh, 28 and 29, when uh, God created Adam and Eve and gave them instructions, he said one of the things that they should do, and it is a command, that they should be fruitful and multiply. It's so sad to me that there are so many women in my generation. So I'm a millennial. I'm, like I said, I'm about to be 38. And there are, you know, younger generations than me or younger people than me. And I have an opportunity to interact with them. And some of the young people that I talk to don't have any interest in having children. They somehow think that having children is uh, too much of a burden on the planet or too much of a burden on their personal finances or too much of a burden on their personal freedom and autonomy. Do you know what? If you're a Christian, that attitude is disobedient to God's command. It's just disobedient. Now, that doesn't mean you can't plan the size of your family or plan when you want to have children. But as a believer, you should have the attitude of wanting to be fruitful and multiply to obey God's command. Young ladies, I would encourage you to think about that, to think about, hey, I I want to get married. I want to pick a guy who has the same idea that I do about having children, somebody who wants to have many children, or or at least you guys agree on the number of children initially. Obviously, God can do different things, and he can change your hearts over time, and all of that is so totally true. But cultivate a desire, cultivate a love for child-rearing, and then nurturing the child. There is such a great joy that comes to women from nurturing and training their children. It's a great responsibility. Let's just face it. It's a great responsibility, and yet it's a great privilege, and it's also very hard, but it brings a lot of joy and a lot of pleasure in a lot of ways. So, young ladies, embrace this particular calling that God has called you to. Finally, this is the fourth thing, the last thing that you need to do, young ladies, to grow and develop into godly wife material is to begin cultivating a biblical attitude of submission. You know, Ephesians 5.22 says, Wives, be subject to your husbands in the Lord. This is perhaps one of the most hated verses in all of Scripture today. It's, it's It's a verse that is hated because Satan wants women to think that if they're subject to their husbands, then they're somehow less than. They're somehow not equal to their husbands that somehow their husbands are just going to rule over them and dominate them in, a, in an ungodly way. And you know what, ladies, if you are careful in your search for a man, if you look for a man who understands biblical authority and the, the uh, responsibility that God has given them to rule, if you look for that kind of a man, that man won't be taking advantage of your submission. That man will be treating you with respect that man will be helping you to become the kind of lady that Jesus wants you to become. So what is submission? What is a biblical attitude of submission? Well, 
the definition is to voluntarily yield your will to the will of another. That's what submission is. It's not easy to do that in a culture that is so self-centered and is so driven by selfish ambition that you can only see what you want and then you, you go out and you get it. That's what our culture wants you to do. Young ladies, you need to begin cultivating a biblical attitude of submission. This doesn't mean that you submit to every single guy that you encounter, but you know what? You should start by submitting to your dad. Next, submit to the pastors and, and leaders of your church. If you're thinking of marrying a guy I would, or, or you're interested in dating a guy or you want advice, I would encourage you, young ladies, go talk to your pastor. Say, here's the kind of man that I want to marry. What do you think I need to do to find that guy? Or do you have any men that you would recommend? Is there anybody that seems to meet these qualifications that I haven't considered? It's not wrong to talk to your pastor about that. It's not wrong to listen to his advice. You could even go to your pastor with the list of things that we've talked about in this podcast or that you've heard in this podcast and say, do you observe some of these things in my life that I need to improve? How am I doing on these characteristics? And then if you take what they say to heart, you will certainly be practicing the biblical attitude of submission. That's a very key trait, young ladies, and it's very opposite of what the culture tells you to do. Finally, I want to leave you with the verses. They're well known from Proverbs chapter 31. And young ladies, you need to understand that men are attracted to you because they're men. They, they're going, they love your form. They love your figure. They are going to uh, desire you physically because that's how God created us. And, and that's all well and good, okay? But you need to understand that your, your appearance is going to change over time, just like your future husband's appearance will change over time, okay? Men need to get over superficial beauty and thinking that beauty is the main reason for wanting to be with somebody. And ladies, you need to get over making beauty the central focus of how you will attract a man. Listen to what the proverb says. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. If I could sum up all the things that I've talked about today, this was it. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. A woman who does what is honoring to Christ becomes more and more and more beautiful, even as the years go by and your physical features decline, you become more beautiful. Young ladies, strive for that. Young men, find a woman who wants to do that. I hope that as you put these truths into practice, you will become the godly spouse that you seek to find. God bless you.